Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Let me put my microphone on and get myself in. in. I can't find my earphones. Nick, I can't find my earphones. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad you're, you're more useless than I am, my friend. Where are my earphones, Nick? Uh, <laughs> ask your wife. Okay, so uh, in the meantime, we I'm, I'll just say we are going to be doing Q and A's tonight. So please, uh, if you've got any 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 questions, do put them up. Um, 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 so it's Q and A, but just to to remind you, with this stuff at the bottom, uh, uh, many many thanks to all our Patreon supporters. That's absolutely fantastic. You can reach us on Raw Pet Medics forward slash no patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics and the other thing is please come along we are having a an edutainment day on the 2nd of december in manchester manchester england i'm not sure if there is a manchester in the united states i'm sure there is because there is a boston and there is a there's a paris and there's a everything else in the states but we're going to be doing that, and we're really excited about that. And in the morning, we're going to be having lectures. They're not going to be, you know, uh, stretch your brain too much, but they're going to be stimulating, and they're going to be uh, lots of topics that we might not otherwise uh, uh, cover. So it's going to be there's going to be education of a sort in the morning, but a lot of fun. And uh, and then in the afternoon, we've got uh, Q and A between the three of us. And we, what else have we got, Connor? What's uh, what else is on? We've got on a heap of games the... and quizzes set up, and yeah. uh, we want to try and make it a bit uh, more kind of um, audience participation, you know. So we're going to have, uh, we've got a lot of ideas set up. We want the first half to be kind of short little talks on this or that and a bit of fun, but the afternoon yeah. will be more uh, Christmas party. And so, yeah, we've got a number of things set up. We've engaged the help of Fiona, who is awesome at setting these things up. You're going to, you can try uh, Beat the Lads uh, in quizzes. We're going to have some various different kind of interactive things. We're going to have serious giveaways. And we're going to have a few kind of a bit of fun at the end, Q&A at the end, a bit of crack, a few drinks, uh, which I am very much looking forward to. So all that. So, yeah, that's the way we're going to pitch it. We're pitching it more as a bit of a bit of a party than anything else. Yeah, that's what's happening. And we're very much looking forward to it. It's on the 2nd of December in Manchester. Don't miss it. It's going to be great crack. Nick, tonight is Q&A, and you are going to be fielding some sticky questions. Um, oh, can, can okay. I, can I, I haven't even looked at them, so, but I am good. just looking at them uh, right now. So, yes, I'm happy can I, to... Can I start, I'll start with that. one, okay, because this one is a dog close to my heart. It's a client who can't get right, and lovely lad. The dog's name is Jackson, and he's a lovely fella, but he suffers uh, more than vomiting. So you've got your, your fancy scientific uh, veterinary terms for that, and we can get to that. Uh, but before we get, this dog gets suffers terrible. When the gurgles hit him, when the stomach, tummy gurgles start kicking in, you know he's going to be doing uh, a little morning vomit. People will say it's bile, so we'll talk about that. Is it bile or is it not? But before all that, there is a question here about all this. And the first one is like, explain to people the difference between vomiting and regurgitation. Is there a difference between those two things? And the, the follow on is, are these dogs vomiting bile in the morning? When you see that frothy puke before before breakfast, yeah. hunger pukes. So give us those three things: uh, vomiting or regurgitation, vomiting yeah. bile. Is that it? What's that frothy stuff? Yeah, Can you give us a bit. Okay, so uh, so vomiting is when you bring up 
a digested material from your stomach. Regurgitation is you're just bringing up pretty much undigested uh, material ah. from your stomach. So, yeah, so okay. regurgitation is just re regurg. It just comes back out as food. Whereas with whereas vomiting could be from stomach, could be stomach material, could even be uh, uh, duodenal material in the in the uh, the the early part of first the part of the intestines. small intestine. Yeah, so it's basically and it's been it's been mashed up and and it's been mixed with with acid. You know, if you you vomit, you know that time when you, where you've been hugging the toilet bowl and you vomit and you get that acid taste and it's that sour sour smell. That's a vomit, okay? Because this is this is digested material that's coming up. Whereas regurge is it pretty much comes up uh, uh, like uh, very a mom, quickly, like a mum coming back to her pups and she's bringing. And, uh, that yeah. would be regurgitating food, yeah, precisely. That's, yeah. So that's, that's 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 the difference between those two. Okay. If you if you're seeing bilious vomiting, there is a thing in veterinary medicine called bilious vomiting syndrome. And the classic signs are that the dog vomits maybe every morning, maybe once a week more frequently than you would like. And you get this, this frothy material. It can be yellowish frothy material from the yeah. bile. Yeah, that's uh, it. From the duodenum. Yeah, so they're reaching really, reaching down and bringing up this material. And the, 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 the great thing about bilious vomiting syndrome is that it will often respond to just feeding a significant meal at just before you go to bed so most people if they feed twice a day they'll feed at maybe eight in the morning seven or eight in the morning and they'll feed at five or six o'clock in the evening and what i say to people is with that evening meal you just split it in two and you continue to feed the dog at five or six because otherwise they think that, that you know you what don't love them anymore or the world has ended but what you do is you take half of it, literally half. So you're not just giving up a little treat before bed. You're actually giving a, a, a substantial meal, and that will cure many of these cases. If it does, you've got your diagnosis. It's classic, straight, simple bilious vomiting syndrome. And I would suggest you do that before you do anything else because it's dead easy to do. If you do that and you're feeding late and it's not making any difference, then it's not. You've got a a, a vomiting uh, uh, a type situation that happens to be in the morning. You okay. see what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. bilious vomiting yeah. syndrome is basically the idea is that the stomach they, and they just just say it in very simple terms, the stomach has, hasn't got anything to do all night, and so it kind of churns and churns and churns. Then the dog wakes up in the morning with more. Why? And, um, if why? You, why this stuff? Why? why is this? Why? What's the What's know. the kink? I don't know. I don't know. But if you give them food, then the stomach has something to do through the night, and it keeps it happy, and so you don't get this vomiting. And there's many a dog who comes to me with this. You know, oh, my dog's got a vomiting problem. Vomiting problem. Vomiting problem. They've seen the specialist and they've tried six different diets. Yeah. And I just say, uh, split the evening meal. Or make sure that you feed something substantial at the end of the day. Boom, problem goes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it can be as simple as that. So that's that would be a strong one. Have you tried that? I imagine you've tried that. Yeah, tried that. And like you know, I don't often announce what kind of Q and As we're doing for the day for the for the night. Because often, you know, I wouldn't know what's coming up. 
But this one, because the dog was close to my heart, I've tried that. I've tried the feeding regime. We've been messing around with that. I think my first bit was that, why is this happening? I don't think anybody knows. But I put it out to the people, and you, you can't beat uh, 60,000 people for coming back with ideas. You know, I'm kind of, we were reared on science. And the more I get into science, the more I value anecdotal kind of answers. It's like nobody knows more about bilious vomiting than people that have gone through it with their dogs they've tried everything what worked so i just put it out to them i said guys have you experienced this post below so i got, i divide into six ideas of what's worked for people okay and uh the first one which is what we, nick's just um as well discussed a bit of grub before dinner and maybe getting the brekkie in early that seems to work hasn't worked in this dog's case sadly so okay. we're now before on bed. to some before bed yeah or maybe bit getting food, the before bed yeah, and, well, bre- and the, getting breakfast in early to preempt, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah, okay, that's okay. not working with Thanks. this fella because his he's really suffering like gust gurgling, like it's it's a noisy and he's upset and he doesn't need his food. And it's like, what mm. is this? Because we've we've made leaps mm. with this dog, but this is this is the remnants of it. So, here's a few more uh, successful ones. The next one I put in the, the digestive enzymes. So, pancreatitis, do you see this as a symptom of EPI, pancreatitis? Uh, pancreatic insufficiency is that a possible thing well pancreatitis pancreatitis is is where where you've got some degree of inflammation within the pancreas okay and so uh you you need to uh, try to get on top of that it will it will often be because you've got inflammation in the gut itself and you've got this if you think of it the pancreas comes out in sympathy with the gut so if you've got a raging ibd you can get a pancreatitis which is secondary to the ibd and sometimes the liver comes along and joins in the party as well. Okay, so uh, the other side of it is where your pancreas just shuts down, and that's uh, EPI, exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. Your pancreas, which is meant to produce the digestive enzymes, is not, and so you get very poor digestion, and then you get food not uh, broken down material being dumped into the colon. You can get colitis and and, and what have you, but in between those or kind of maybe even linked to those is something that i'm calling lazy pancreas syndrome so you haven't got full-blown epi where you just find it difficult to digest anything Mm -hmm. but you haven't got you haven't got fantastic pancreatic function you're somewhere in between now everybody as they get older all their organs work less efficiently efficiently your lungs your heart your liver everything just kind of just slows down and ages. And that's that's really, really normal. Why shouldn't your pancreas do exactly the same? It's just that sometimes you see this kind of lazy pancreas syndrome in younger dogs, where for some reason, possibly they've had a, maybe a, a virus which has uh, attacked the pancreas, or there's been, yeah, maybe they've been on kibble, and so they've had high blood triglycerides, and so they've, they've been kind of flirting with very low-grade pancreatitis, and so the, the, the pancreas is just producing a wee bit less, a wee bit less yeah. uh, of, of the pancreatic enzyme. It's, I think it's an area that we don't know a lot, but for me, the, the, the lazy pancreas syndrome is quite a useful concept. And these are the guys where they can eat so much food, but if you give them even 10 grams more, they can't digest that extra yeah. material. Can you see, yeah, can you see morning vomit coming from that? I mean, if it perturbs digestion, then... If one digestive material goes into the intestines, you're going to shift the gut floor because there's going to be different food available for different bacteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, you're going yeah. to get this IBS, IBD downstream effect of it because that really brings us on to the next one. 
how come probiotics work for some people? Probiotics, prebiotics, and a bit of garlic, those sort of additions, uh, focusing on the pro- spoonfuls of yogurt. Um, that seems to work for some people. Uh, ta- and that, that will then moves, shifts us down to the intestines lower down. And we're saying, okay, now it's a gut flora issue. If you have a gut flora issue, maybe you have an inflammatory issue. If you have an inflammatory issue, are you more likely to have vomiting? Does that make sense? Yeah, it would do. But, I mean, because all these things are tied together, you could say that if your pancreas is on a go slow, yeah, you've got lazy, lazy pancreas, that means you've got improper digestion. That means you've got a change in, in bugs. And if you've got mm. that, you, you're going into IBD, which means you get some inflammatory change. Mm-hmm. And if your gut is inflamed, you can get gastritis because the stomach is just a pocket at the top so of what's the gastritis? An, infla- an inflamed kind of stomach lining. Is that gastritis? An inflamed, an inflamed, inflamed stomach, yes. So, so that's gastritis. And if you've got the slightest bit, so you and I at the moment, I hope, have got zero gastritis. We can eat and it just goes down and there's no, there's no pain on eating. There's no um, heartburn, you know, that, that, that kind yeah. of heartburn sensation or that, oh, every time I mm. eat, I get a little pain in my stomach and what have you. Stomach, not abdomen, but stomach. Then you could have, you know, gastric erosions and god forbid you've got gastric ulceration if you had gastric ulceration you'd know about it but if the stomach is unhappy in that it's slightly inflamed it's going to be more reactive to uh food coming in or to the digestive process that it that it has to yeah. uh, uh, take place it's going to maybe produce a little less yeah. acid a little less pepsin and so Maybe if the maybe if the stomach lining is a bit damaged and uh, the dog, you know, they can they conditioned to breakfast and dinner coming Pavlov's dogs, where you ring mm. the bell and they, mm. they, they drool. But also all that gurgling and squirting you hear in a normal dog before breakfast is the release of acids and enzymes into his tummy in expectation of the meal. And so I wonder, is it that he knows breakfast is coming and his stomach is starting to get ready, but his stomach is not well? And his stomach isn't right, and so it's more. It's suddenly it's, it starts to bring up acids and enzymes go into that stomach. They're poorly prepared for it, and they bring it up yeah. instead of letting it sit. Would that be a protective yeah, mechanism I mean, of the stomach? Well, it's it's that whole thing about anticipatory anxiety. It's the classic: is if the dog eats at five o'clock on the nose every afternoon, and it means that from two o'clock, at two o'clock we think, oh, three hours till we eat, and then. Yeah. At, at, Three o'clock. Oh, it's only two hours. And so you get this anticipation, anticipation. Okay. And if you don't feed them bang on five o'clock, then the stomach is churning and the acid is yeah. going because they're, they're, they're waiting for the food because they've been conditioned, like Pavlov told us, to, to expect this food. And they, th- these would be the classic hunger pukes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And, and the, way, the way to get around that is to vary the meals. So to investigate whether it's some kind of anticipatory that, I don't know, breakfast is too late for this guy, Jackson, you, you just for one or two days, you feed him really early and see if that makes any difference yeah. out of the blue. Yeah, you feed him at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., yeah. if he's normally fed at 8 a.m. So, so that's, that's, that's playing into it. It normally happens yeah. in the afternoon, yeah, because the gut is, is very usually very happy to be settled overnight. It just yeah. goes into quiet phase. Um, and so that is worth yeah. looking at. So, so you'd see. be looking at pancreatic function. You'd be looking at inflammation. Why have you got inflammation? There's, there's yeah. you know, several reasons. Um, have we got a bit of gastritis? 
I've actually just come across a German product. So I'll let you just have a chat. One, I'm going to pro promote my own product while you're doing that. Um, everybody is talking about uh, slippery elm and or marshmallow. Marshmallow root and slippery elm do essentially the same thing. Marshmallow root is probably a more sustainable uh, form of that. Slippery elm comes from places where you harvest the tree, the tree dies. Mm. But so the marshmallow root does the same thing. And what it does is it adds mucilage uh, that, that's not on the inside of your, your gut uh, lining. It adds more of that on to everywhere, to your lungs, but mainly your guts. And so it really helps. That's where your gut flora live. And so it's, if, you've, if you're suffering uh, an intestinal kind of issue and your guts are on fire, it's a great idea to try that. Slippery elm marshmallow, people are putting in lots of it into a, into a water, letting the dog drink it if he wants, and that's great. The thing that I would add to that is German chamomile. Chamomile is called mother of the gut, and it talks about an anti-inflammatory of the gut. It's unbelievable. Antispasmodic, uh, it's going to be good for um, uh, any of these sort of Good issues. I use it as a bandage. I've mixed those two together. That's that product there by Functionate. It's a it's a popular gut product. That with a with a few seaweeds, which are anti-inflammatory and, and nutritious. So, but really, the core of that product is marshmallow root and chamomile. But if you just sell yeah. marshmallow root and chamomile, people don't really believe in it. So you give it a fancy name and you wrap it up. So any products like that are great. Anything that uses slippery elm marshmallow or chamomile, I would definitely give that a shot. To see if it's kind of gut related, yeah. But yeah, Nick, what were you going to say? That is exactly what, but where where this is coming from as well. Can you see that? Yeah. Sally, Sally Tobin will kill me if that's backwards. Can you can you read it? Yeah, from the sand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's exactly the same thought. It's it's basically kind of a gastric pan bandage. So rather than using a meprazole, which is to reduce the stomach acid, you're you're, you're putting in uh, material to help the lining of the, of the stomach, as you as you just described. Yeah. So this one contains dill tincture. It contains psyllium, your friend psyllium, yeah. chamomile, as you rightly yeah. say, and marshmallow. But it yeah. actually it does the same thing, and it's yeah. in a very fine. So I'm, I'm going to be using that kind. Of, I do use biofunction eight. I've got it up on yeah. the uh, yeah. on the on the yeah. uh, shelf there. Have you tried those products with Jackson? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure about biofunction eight with Jackson, but I'd be surprised if I hadn't pushed that at this stage. Um, there's two more ideas here that I'm going to just go through because the comments are coming flying in now and getting more ideas. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a slippery old marshmallow. We talked a bit about probiotics, maybe. Uh, one lady came on and said she's very confident it's, it's fat-related and that a higher fat diet will cause it. Now, this is interesting because, um, you know, maybe that's the case because it happens totally sometimes. You'll puke in the morning, there'll be a bit of puke in the ground. Very, very now and again, it can happen. And I often think, is it fat-related? Have I taken my eye off the ball? Was I feeding the wrong diet? He's susceptible to a few little proteins. He's not keen on some. And so uh, I often think, is it food-related that's caused this to the dog? And usually when dogs are suffering this, they're coming to you with an IBD, IBS diagnosis. Their guts are shot, you know, and this is just one of the, of the fires that you have to put out. But it's often the one that you're left with. It's often one that, mm, I've got sorted all these other things, but here's this vomiting still. So the fat thing is interesting. And what this person recommends, I'm sorry I didn't take her name, Nora Lens uh, does the mono feeding um, website, mono feeding uh, Facebook group. But she says, yeah, no, she's had great success with moving dogs to ultra lean diets. I'm only spitting this idea out. I have no idea if it works, but it's something to try if you're up against the wall. Uh, move to a very, very lean dog food. Uh, so that would be, you know, at least four parts protein to one part fat. Very, very lean. You know, most raw dog food is fairly it's kind of 50 50 on the energy front with protein and fat the, the fat content is quite high compared to what dogs would normally eat which is quite lean animals 
So you might move to a very lean diet. One more, Nick, because you could tell us about this. Uh, two people said homeopathic bowel nosols all day. Somebody said so. Homeopathic bowel nosols. Homeopathic nosols all day. What no, that she means as in all, all, all. No, as in all day. They they. That's what you should do, as in give oh, so useful, bowel yeah. I mean, the bowel, bowel nosage, but then you can just, you can go really simple. Um, Samuel Hahnemann, 200 years ago, was using Nax Formica. He was using Lycopodium. Uh, he was using Phosphorus to help with liver. He was using Iris Vesicola to support pancreas. Okay. It was only in about the 1920s that the bowel nosage, but very much, I've got a great book here. Sorry, guys by one of the old mentors, bowel nosids in homeopathic practice. They're pretty simple, and you can just use kind of a formulaic approach to the, the use of them. So bowel nosids are definitely something to, to think about. Nora Lentz is saying, absolutely, and she's absolutely right, inflammation would have the same underlying causes of bile vomiting. Nora, we are absolutely all about getting to the, the key, the, the, the base of the problem. Yeah. Mm. And so we're looking to 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 heal the gut. We're looking to heal the microbiome to reduce inflammation. Um, but we're just exploring the the broader approach. Did. Yeah. And I I imagine you've done food trials. Yeah. Oh, we've done, done all like this. We're way past all that. We're way past. Like I've yeah. done everything I can so, with diet. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, diet it isn't and I, I, I would have thought it's not it's not like some sort of mysterious like this lady's sure, gone through an exclusion sure. diet to beat the band and uh, also we're using lean enough food but it's not the leanest diet I've ever made I didn't think that was necessary it's something to try but look I think hopefully we've gone through five big categories of things there so hopefully that's given people some idea because this is a really big issue I mean Facebook lit up when we mentioned it we've only done uh, you know Vomiting in one the question. Yeah. Uh, I have lots more. There was one put there by Rodney. Did you see Rodney? He was the first when we put advertised the QA and Rodney said, How are you doing? Uh, Rodney Habib from Canada and he puts up a little wavy, wavy kind of emoji. He always used these little emojis, they make me smile. Uh, and when he says Canada, he puts up a Canadian flag. Um and he says, like, I've got a question, it's more philosophical. What would um, what biscuit would you be if you mixed um, if if Bren and Nick and Connor were, were ingredients? Okay, bye. Let me know. Bye, Rodney. And I thought that oh, was very funny. People could have put some good ideas. I only picked out two, uh, but I like Coconut Dream Cookie. I have to say that was very good. But the one that got the most likes was a snickerdoodle. And I thought a snickerdoodle, that is a good name for a biscuit uh, that contains the lads. So yeah, snickerdoodles. There was many, many other questions that came up. Nick, have you got one that you want to do, or do you want me just to shout out a few? Oh, and there's do... loads. I've got some. I've got some from Patreon just here, uh, and I will just grab them. Uh, there we go. Okay, so um, uh, Michelle has come along and and said, uh, "Tapeworms!" Exclamation mark. I found them in the stools of one of my dogs using Vermex, apple cider vinegar, garlic, pumpkin seeds, throwing everything at it. Had a negative count three months ago. Definitely no fleas. Should I be supporting the gut, the gut with anything else? And um, added in, can't get Vermex in him. Now using grape, uh, grapefruit seed extract. Okay. So, uh, do you want to have a go at that? Did she uh, just to just to read that start that question did she clear the tapeworm issue using natural methods or did she say she's passed the tapeworm she used a chemical napalm which many people do not criticizing it 
and now we're using worm preventatives. It's like, I no. often... What's what she saying? I think what she's saying is three months ago, dog was absolutely clear. And now, for some reason, with no fleas, no, no anything else, and she's throwing all these things at the dog, why are uh, why, why she still got tapeworms? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So look, looking into the, at least, if just the literature to support natural preventatives, it's, it's very hit and miss. These are not studies that companies do. They don't want these studies out there. These aren't studies that universities do because they're not paid to do them. And so we don't get these studies. Not, and the ones that are done are very hit and miss. They're not like, you know, 100 dogs in, in crates as much as people don't want to hear it. It's the study you want. Uh, and they're not even pet dogs using these remedies versus, say, you know, chemical napalm. So we don't have those studies. And often when a natural treatment works from garlic to uh, pumpkin seeds to usually they are isolating the compound such as cucurbitacin which is the the compound in in um in, in pumpkin seeds kinic acid which is the compound in red seaweed on and on and on they isolate that compound because they know it it has a pretty big role in this anti-helminthic activity and then they mm. give it to dogs as an extract and quite a dose and you're left thinking, would giving some pumpkin seeds to your dog now and again have the same effect as isolating that compound and whacking dogs with it? So the answer is probably no. So that's why I think natural preventers, I use the word preventive, it, I'd say it sets the environment to make it very unpalatable for worms to, to get hold. It doesn't mean that they're, it's going to prevent them all. Uh, I mean, who happens? And that's just the way it is. Dogs are eat everything, you know, so that's just going to happen to your dog. But it's rarer than I even thought coming into this. I mean, I just, you just don't hear many dogs getting worms. So I think when, the, when I've talked to anybody, the veterinary herbalists, you know, the next level of, of using herbs is going for um, GFSE, grapefruit seed extract, wormwood, black walnut hull. I mean, these are harder, more effective and have more evidence behind them. But I kind of wouldn't put them into a product too easily uh, myself, I wouldn't go willy nilly. I would probably just contact a veterinary herbalist, type in veterinary herbalist online, Holistic Hound in Ireland, Holistic Hound the UK, whoever. You type it in. And these guys have thought way more about it than you have. They've looked at all the research and they've produced a product. And that might be a more effective way of clearing tapeworms than you muddling around in the dark. And they'll hold your hand and you, get, you buy something off them, you get their email now and you're talking to them. How would you do it? What's a large dose? Would I want to clear this? So th that's good advice before I would go for chemical napalm. But and maybe there's always an argument for it. Nick, you might be able to tell us, is there a safe one that you use? Or what's your advice for, for tapeworms? But, well, in this particular situation, because there's lots of different reasons, I tell you, how come, I presume the dog has been negative for a while, and then all of a sudden now has, 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 has got the tape. So what's changed in the gut? I presume yeah. you're feeding a, great, a fantastic raw diet. I presume the poos are in great shape uh, uh, you know, most of the time, like most healthy dogs. And I presume there's been no other major effect. I'll tell you a story. Uh, about seven or eight years ago, lady rang me. She'd been using Vermex for years and never, ever had a problem with worms at all with her horse. Yeah, it's a horse. It's not a dog, but bear with me. And she said, all of a sudden, we've got loads of, of red worms, not tapeworms, but just red worms. But it's a similar principle. And, and so I said, OK, so what's the difference between the last time you tested and now? And she said, well, no change. The food is the same. The field is the same and everything. And then she said, oh, hang on. About a month ago, 
a dog got into the field and chased the the this older mare around the field for half an hour. Okay. And I said, I think that's probably what it is. It was a massive stress event. There was a massive uh, cortisol overload. And lo and behold, you had a, a, an immunosuppressive effect. Because my experience is that, 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 that the Vermex doesn't work on its own. It works when your immune system is in great shape. So if you've got pain or if you've got some other inflammatory process going on, it's not going to work as well. It doesn't do your homework for you. When you use pharmaceutical, it does all the work. Vermex works with your body or any herbal product. You know, there are other, other herbal uh, products that you can get. So I would say that I'd be looking peripheral to just the gut, just the worms, and just saying what might have, might have changed. So with that in mind, a combination of uh, a, a good dose of vermex, good dose of apple cider vinegar, good dose of garlic, uh, freshly ground pumpkin seeds every single day. Um, that really should do the trick. Putting in the grapefruit extract, grapefruit seed extract as well is a great idea. There, I have cleared persistent giardia with with that kind of um, regime, as well as tapeworms. Okay, we, we could, because we get these questions periodically. And all you need to do is just really go to town on these things. But remember, don't just think of the gut. You've got to think, uh, have we got pain? Is the dog, you know, uh, coming on with Cushing's disease? Is the dog, um, has the dog got some other uh, problem somewhere else in the body? Low thyroid disease, for example. Gene Dodds talks a lot about low thyroid disease. So it, yeah. because sometimes when the worms the worms will take advantage of a, 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 a suppressed immune system. And so if you are seeing the worms come up, you've just got to think a little bit more broadly there. If you can't get Vermex liquid into the uh, dog, and I can't see why that would be because you can always just mix the liquid in with food and things. But if you've got a slightly fussy dog, then you can always, there are little crunchy uh, uh, biscuits that they do as well. And so you can give those on a, on a, a longer term basis. I've uh, I've another one here for you. Uh, I, okay, um, dog eating eating soil. I think we've covered that quite a number of times now. Um, but uh, you know, grass eating and soil has been mentioned two or three times. I think I just want to touch on something else. There's uh, two people asked this question. Um, the vets at the moment um are worried that raw is causing neurological issues, and I have a very short answer for that. I said I really think that that is something from five years ago. It was a study from Melbourne, uh, which, uh, anyway, the veterinary department in Melbourne, and it was related to this APN, uh, potential neurological issue from dogs eating chicken. There was a, a, an enormous number of things wrong with that study. We tried to contact the authors. It was not, not good science. And that's just, that's just a fact. I've written an article on a chicken. Raw chicken does not cause paralysis in dogs. The usual people went to town on it. You know, let's face it, Skeptvet and a few others post their articles. And since then, how many cases of APN from raw chicken? Zero. Zero, Zero. cases since then. Yeah. It's just utter nonsense yeah, yeah, that they yeah, spit yeah. out now and again. So I think my point was about the reason I bring it up is, is that when, when somebody says, you know, we, we suspect there may be neurological issues from eating raw, we just go, well, what's, what's the science? Have you got a study? Can I see the study? Because if you ever, if somebody like Nick or Bren says, there may be a link. It's because they've read a few studies and it makes kind of scientific sense before they go 
saying things online and kind of scaring people away from something. So if you ask these people, they will come up with a study and and they'll be happy to share it with you and say, you know, this is the, this is the concern we have, as opposed to a rumor. And so I think, you know, you, you can always ask today, just have you had a study? Have you seen something recent? Have you an article online, some sort of Vet Times magazine you can direct me to that they've the recent studies come out? You know, let's have a look at the figures behind that. It tends to scare people and it, it just brings up brutal studies from, from years ago that have no, they have no, um, role at all you know so um, anyway that i just thought i'd mention that to people you can always ask for the study ask for the data however you did present some stuff in helsinki on some neurological issues which were subsequent to feeding a certain type of of, of dried food do you oh, want yeah. to just tell us this tell us the story there and, and a little bit of the background like the australian police dogs with, oh with, yeah, that was Karen actually. Well, that was in my book initially, but um, it, it, what led us to that was a TED talk. That was Mega Sophocus. That was um, ah, those police dogs. Mega yeah. yeah, it was yeah. a yeah, yeah yeah. So um, that was a. They still don't know what it is, but a toxin that was in pet food. It was in Mars Dermal Care pet food that this Latvian vet discovered, and uh, that was not acted upon by the world. And uh, this mm-hmm. microbiologist was not. Uh, humoured everybody let's say treading delicately watch her TED talk I spoke the truth and lost my job or something like that great TED talk Mm. Uh, when it kicked off was two years later when Sydney police dogs had a problem and eight police dogs came down with mega esophagus so there goes your whole it was just a genetic issue which people thought up until that point because when eight dogs come down in the same kennels you know you've an environmental factor and they said oh we're feeding Mars Dermal Care and they said, oh, well, look at all this vet work that the Latvian vet was doing, uh, saying that Mars Dermal Care uh, product, I like saying Mars Dermal Care, by the way, because it was Mars Dermal Care, and uh, so it was proven, so there's not anything I can get sued for here. And uh, so they found that that was the product. But yeah, talk about neurological issues. I mean, if you're going to have neurological concerns, there is a number of things we could talk about that uh, raw food can help with. You know, there's just there's so many angles. You could just be all day talking about inflammation and the role it has. And, nasty chemicals and ages and uh, you know mycotoxins there's just so many things that can that negatively affect your brain and behavior the lack of bioactive compounds omega-3 uh like come on vitamins and minerals anything mm. so uh it's a bit a bit of so always ask the person for their their sources yes um anyway guys that was that was great nick thank you so much Amazing. for all that you feel that really fun. that yeah, that's good. Really good. Uh, no, and no, no, it was really good. Really good. We'll be Thank back you. next week with God knows what. I don't even know what the, what the yeah. plan is. What's the plan? Sorry, so, Patreon, that we couldn't do something special for you, that. but we just yeah. thought we'd, we'd share the love. But the real answer is we, we can't use We can't <laughs> we work with technology because <laughs> yeah. Bren isn't here. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Was a, it was a good chat. It was really nice. It's, so, it's funny, uh, isn't it? When you give over the... When you give all the, the, the handling of the technical stuff, uh, you, you're just very quickly, you get out of the routine of having to do it. It's like, you know, I just go through the airport now following Elaine with the bags and she's got everything. And it's like, now when I have to travel on my own, I'm like, Elaine, I'm on my own. I'm having a good time. Not. Nah. And I'm just getting lost and my phone's run out of battery. And, and it's like a child. I'm just like calling her from the airport going, I hate traveling by myself. Like I've lost all uh, ability to be, you know. He's not exaggerating, mad. guys. I'm, no, I'm really not. An absolute disaster. It's just like found in the corner. Can somebody go to Lost and Found and pick up Connor, please? Found crying in the corner. Is anybody <laughs> yeah. this child? I mean, so, yeah. this gentleman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway. 
Uh, okay, Amazing. cheers, Nick. All we right. will see you Thanks, all mate. next week. Yeah. All, right. Talk all to the soon. best, everybody. Thank you very, very Bye-bye. much. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>